from the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines. This is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. It was a rough weekend for Iowa and Iowa State, both losing over the weekend. First Iowa State at Texas. And it ends up in the hands of Federis. There it is. A career high 26 points for Jake Federis. A career high 8 three-pointers. The call from ESPN. Longhorns 86, Cyclones 69. Iowa playing their first game after a two-game suspension for head coach Fran McCaffrey falls at home to Rutgers. Carter showed for a moment. The ball tipped away by Johnson. Long pass ahead to Montez Mathis. All alone for the two-hand flush. The call on BTN. Rutgers 86, Iowa 72. It was the Scarlet Knights' first ever win against a ranked team on the road while playing in the Big Ten. Drake claimed a share of the MVC regular season crown with a 73-62 win at Missouri State. And the Boys State Basketball Tournament is underway at Wells Fargo Arena. Updates all week long presented by Grinnell Mutual. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We take you until noon throw out a name right now. Buddy of mine listening to us in New Jersey. All right. Rob Doster? No, not Rob Doster, but I'm sure he's going to listen to Rob Doster at the bottom of the hour because that's when Rob Doster is going to join us. He's told me about this guy, a friend of his, by the name of Tony Petiti. Have you ever heard of him before? Tony Petiti. Not Tony Petiti, the old Texas Tech forward. No, this is a different dude. He is the chief operating officer of Major League Baseball. Prior to that, he was the chief executive officer of Major League Baseball Network mm-hmm. when it was launched. All right. He's a graduate of Harvard Law. It's good if, start. If you looked up Tony Petiti, Tony Petiti is credited with the college football playoff. Whoa. That's a name. Central Iowa just learned about a candidate, in my opinion, today. No one had ever heard of Tony Petiti before. No. Certainly in this market. Very we had few. it first. I think we did. Not saying he's going to get it, but look at that resume, Trent. Harvard Law, uh-huh. in the room when the college football playoff is birthed, mm-hmm. born. When MLB Network launched, he was behind it. There's that Big Ten Network, MLB, yes. that, that television angle. Right now, he's the COO for MLB. He deals with some big money. Yeah. Billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. It's a good name. It is a good name. If you ever, I know you've done Big Ten media. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Delaney's press conferences. Yes, they're great. Yes, they really are. I mean, he doesn't. He answers. I don't know. He's up there for about a half an hour. Mm-hmm. I remember the first question I ever asked. My first time ever, eight nine years ago, whenever it was, yeah. and it was as Nebraska was joining, and I was asking, and they're changing into the division. Mm-hmm. So it was actually probably after that. Eh, I don't know. Whatever year they were coming in. And I asked them about basketball because the SEC, for a number of years, they had the divisions also split for basketball. Mm-hmm. He looked at me like I had two heads. Did he? No, that is football only. Mm. Just want to make it, make sure, mm-hmm. make sure. Broke a little news. 
because everybody tweeted out then right after I asked the question. Is that right? Yes. Oh, that's you know you got a good question. Yes, that yes, that, that made me very happy when you nailed that one. Uh, so we will uh, talk to Rob Dosterbottom in the hour in about ten minutes. We'll talk to uh, Scott Dockerman, uh, the no- Northwestern Athletic Director, the AD Jim Phillips. There seems to be getting a lot of buzz. Ah, uh, that one makes sense too. Tony Petiti, watch this I guy's like resume. That. I'm I like telling you, little outside of the box. Now we're a minute or an hour and five minutes into the program, mm-hmm. and we buried the lead. We did. Because, yes, we are sports. Sports, right. sports, sports, right. sports, sports. Right. 99% of the time. Yes. But there is one Sounds and... Sounds like we're getting away from that, aren't we? <laughs> there is one and more for Ken and myself. And for people that missed it, last year we found a program that we both enjoyed very much I did outside enjoy. of the sports. Right. Now, there is a sports angle to it. Yes, or a former quarterback. Jay Cutler mm-hmm. is on a reality TV show with his wife, mm-hmm. Kristen Cavallari. It's called Very Cavalry. That's what it's called, yep. And uh, Ken and I get a kick out of it. We do, for a number of reasons. I mean, I think Jay Cutler's really good in his role. He's, he's so terrific. funny. Yeah. He's incredibly I don't know if he means funny. to be Trent. That's I, I, the crazy yeah. part about it. It's who he is. It's not an act. Because Jay Cutler has never seemed like the guy that has an act. Mm-hmm. He's combative, a little doofusy at times. Yeah. Probably hard to get along with. Mm-hmm. And... He's on this reality TV show. Last night, it was great. Now, you haven't watched it yet. I, I've got it. Uh, the replay is at noon. I sent you a text tape. right towards the end of it last night. Yeah, and I never saw it because I was so sadly into this Michael Jackson thing. You'll watch it at noon. We'll, we'll do a two-minute recap of it tomorrow. Okay. But uh, I got incredibly excited. They did after the first program. Most TV shows do. Coming up this season on da-da-da. And there is a episode coming up this year. Or Jay Cutler, the story behind it, if you've never seen it, it's basically about Kristen Cavallari, his wife, and the business that she runs. Mm-hmm. And it's all the people that are about it. So it survived the summer or survived the off-season? Yep. It's doing well? Yeah, and sounds like, according to episode one, very well. But there is an episode coming up this season where he is going to go in, he's all dressed up, and he's yelling at people. He's asking them, well, what are you doing? What, what is your job? Are you actually working? Cutler's getting after him a little bit. Bringing that football mentality into, I don't even know what business it is. Uh, fashion. I fashion, think, yeah. Some sure. fashion business. Oh, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> we did We did watch that show. Did you find it or did I? You. Well, I think we both saw it on Twitter. You watched it and I was shocked. You came in the next day and said, yeah, I watched it. Like, what are you talking about? You actually watched it? So then I started watching it. Yeah. Now we're both hooked. No, well, very cavalry. Yeah, I was hooked at the end of it. We'll see. It's billion season. It's coming oh, okay. up. We've got some good, some good non-sports program. And Let's, the NCAA tournament in the past, you were done Sunday afternoon at six o'clock. Now point. they extend those yeah, games. Yeah, I love out. that. Especially the first weekend. Yes. No, I love it, Trent. The way they've got it set up right now is just spectacular. By the way, have you seen the teams that Shelby Mast, our bracketologist? Mm-hmm. Boy, Des Moines, as good as it was last year. Well, at least look at it. We, we're, we've got a couple of marquee teams coming this way, if Shelby's right. Kentucky back again. That would fill the place. Michigan is a marquee team, no doubt about that. Right now, here's who Shelby has coming our way. He's the Gannett bracketologist, he, um, Des Moines Register, USA Today, all the Gannett papers. He joins Trent and I every Tuesday at 1045, tomorrow being no different. He's got Belmont, Louisville. You can't send both teams from the state of Kentucky here, can you? Why not? Maybe you're dual fans. You can get both of them. Uh, certainly be packed. Belmont, Louisville, yeah. Montana, Michigan in the 15-2. He has Texas Wofford, 10-7 matchup, and Loyola of Chicago taking on Kentucky. Be fun to see Loyola here. 
Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, it would be. What if you and I would win the Arch Madness? And they're the, well, they'd probably be a 16 seed, but they would. How many Panther fans would be in the building for that? Well, 4,000? What did we say? What was the, the last estimate of Panther alums in Des Moines? 10,000. That's what I thought. That's what I always get in the mm-hmm. newsletter. 10,000 Oh, you still us. get the newsletter? I do, yes. So 10,000? Yeah, probably 4,000, I would think, if they can get tickets. And it's a two-hour drive, mm-hmm. all the people from Cedar Falls coming in. What if it's Iowa State? Iowa State gets a six seed and 10,000? 11,000? 12,000? No, they can't get that many tickets. Not that many. Uh-uh. Seven, eight, eight? Eight, maybe? Same for Iowa. Maybe yeah. a shade less. No, I don't think... I mean, if you had to... If there is a favorite to get here right now... I think it's Michigan. No, I mean of the local oh, schools. Oh, of the local schools. Yeah, no, the favorite, if, the, if, it's, if Shelby's right... Who would you want to see? Yeah, Michigan, I think both I Michigan and Michigan State are coming here because you, of proximity. You really do. Yes. And because of that... Iowa more well, than two likely weeks from today, we'll know. wouldn't be the 7-10 seed on the other side. Now, if Iowa State keeps falling, they could be the 7-7 seven, seven mm-hmm. seed, and then they get to play close to home. Yeah. Do you remember one of the uh, talking points when we started morphing into basketball and remembering that the tournament was in downtown Des Moines? And it wasn't even a talking point. It was more of a punchline. <laughs> Drake can't play here. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're going to be in the tournament, right? Exactly. They're picked ninth. And now they can't be here because they're the host. They're the host. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, we'll, th- we'll talk to Scott Dockerman next. Doc was in Indianapolis. I believe him and Mark came home last night. Uh, the DBs are going through their paces today as it wraps up uh, in Indianapolis. And we get to scratch one of those checkpoint boxes off the list as we inch our way closer to the summertime and football being played in practice. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. Miller Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Trent and I have another 45 minutes with you or thereabouts. If you miss any portion of the program, you can always listen to the podcast. They are up at KXNO.com very quickly uh, after the show's conclusion. Trent has high school basketball. We'll do that before we get out of here as far as the schedule-wise as he's busy on Wednesday, which will prevent us from uh, being with you uh, with the exception of a half an hour, right? So we'll get Cappy for the most part, and that'll Mm -hmm. be it on Wednesday. Maybe preview Iowa State, uh, West Virginia, and then Trent will be uh, making his way down to Wells Fargo. Scott Dockerman made his way back from Indianapolis Last night, uh, he and Mark Morehouse were there. Good to talk to you, Scott Dockerman. How are you? Hey, good, guys. How's it going today? Pretty well. How far of a drive is Indy from where you're at? About six, five and a half? Yeah, about six hours or so. So it's uh, it's uh, it was a nice drive after everything yesterday. Got back at a decent, you know, later part of the evening, and uh, and away we go back to the old. Salt mine. Indeed. Well, you know what? We'll get to the combine. We'll get to Nelson and the tight ends. And I know you spent some time with the uh, with the two Iowa State participants. So we'll get your take on those two. But the biggest story I think today in sports, uh, Jim Delaney announcing that uh, the clock is ticking, that he's going to step down, retire at June of two thousand and twenty. Doc, the impact that he's had on college athletics as a whole, 
uh, really the realignment and the television uh, network, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what an impact he's going to leave behind when it's all said and done next June. You can make a case that he's probably the most impactful sports administrator in college athletics history. Uh, you look at what he came in in 1989, replaced Wayne Duke, uh, you know, an Iowa native and grad, and, and uh, you know, where he took college athletics. And, uh, you know, some some big wins, some losses, in my opinion, but, but always made an impact. I mean, he added four teams to the, to the Big Ten. I mm-hmm. mean, Penn State at the very beginning, he, he uh, invited Notre Dame that declined him. You know, you add Nebraska and then, of course, Rutgers and Maryland, the, the impact of BTN, uh, you know, just some of the so many of the other issues revolving uh, student athlete welfare that he's been at the forefront of and and bringing up, you know, the you know, I remember it was about five or six years ago or something when he was discussing, uh, you know, providing stipends for student athletes, mm-hmm. what a big deal that was. And but he pushed it. Everybody's doing it now. It's like not even it, it doesn't even matter. So uh, his his uh, era, you know, is certainly, you know, one of the greatest there is. Uh, it's up for debate, as it should be, for how good it was. But, you know, his impact is, is immeasurable in some ways. So we were talking replacements, it seems like. There's a few names that have been bandied about, but anything jump to your mind, names that you think would make sense to take over with uh, one of the probably two biggest jobs in college sports right now, going along with Commissioner of the SEC? Yeah, I mean, I probably would start, you know, first you look, inside the Big Ten, and Brad Traviola is their deputy commissioner. Um, he's, he's done a really nice job. Um, financially, he's done a good job with the, with the league. So there's a lot there that I think he needs to be under consideration. You know, probably another person, you know, as far among the athletic directors in the Big Ten would be Jim Phillips at Northwestern. I think he's the best of the bunch. Uh, he's, uh, you know, does a nice job of kind of standing and facing the music and, and, and really talking about the issues that are important. Um, he's got a good, uh, he's got charisma, and uh, I think that's important. And he seems to build consensus. So, And he's done some really good things at Northwestern. A lot of schools have tried to hire him away, and they can't. So I think he's probably the best internal candidate. And then you look around at, you know, Andrea Williams with the Big Sky. She used to, she's the commissioner at the Big Sky. She used to be at the Big Ten. And I'm sure there will be other people who come to mind, but those would be three that kind of jump out immediately. Has he, um, has the Big Ten or uh, honored him with naming anything after him at this point, Doc? Do you know, Trent and I tried to think of it earlier. We couldn't. I mean, and we both agree with you, the impact that he's had has been, uh, you know, as is, is big an impact as anybody. Totally agree with you. Have, is, have they honored him in any way so far? Uh, no, 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 but they will. I mean, I, I kind of think that. Uh, you know, probably the student athletes of the year award that comes out, you know, in June every year. I think that'll probably be named after him. It wouldn't surprise me if the Big Ten football championship game MVP yeah. gets named after him. Uh, he will have a lot of honors coming his way. It's just, uh, you know, they haven't done it yet, and it's always one of those awards that, uh, you know, I'm sure he's probably uncomfortable with having something named after him while he's still in office. But, uh, yeah, the awards definitely will come his way, no doubt about it. Well, two of the uh, last teams that he brought in, Maryland and Rutgers, two teams that beat Iowa. In fact, their first ever victories on the road as Big Ten members against top 25 teams came in Iowa City 
over the last uh, week, week and a half. Doc, let's go back to Saturday. Not sure how much you saw of it as you were in Indianapolis. Losing at home to Rutgers is bad, but the fashion that they lost, giving up that many points to a Rutgers team that has issues offensively. If people haven't hit the panic button, is it time to hit it now? I think it's time to hit the ultra-concerned button, no doubt about it. (laughs) I mean, you're giving up in the second half, you're giving up almost 60% shooting. You know, and, uh, you know, 11 out of 23 three-point shooting. You've got to be concerned about your defense. You've got to be concerned about, you know, the way you are attacking, you know, on both ends of the floor. I mean, because, you know, Iowa ran into this last year. You can't get too many track beats and, uh, and hope to come out victorious, especially if you're not scoring at the same rate as your opponent. And, uh, you know, the last two, you know, games have been very challenging for Iowa, one on the road at Ohio State. This one, I mean, this, this, you know, really you look at, uh, you know, the, the three-pointers and just how crazy it is. I mean, you know, you know, they, it, was, it was just, uh, you know, 11 three-pointers for uh, mm-hmm. Rutgers and Iowa was 8-29. There's just a, so many different concerns here. They've got to regroup. They've got to get their stuff together. I mean, they had more turnovers than assists. Mm. So, uh, you know, and you look at uh, the way they've played, the way they've been blown out the last two weeks, you know, what's happened off the court certainly has impacted this, uh, you know, that Iowa has a chance to regroup, rebound, and, and I think this is going to be a very, very important game against Wisconsin. But, uh, you know, we've been, all been here, done that. We know what, what could happen. So uh, they've got to prevent that, and it's going to be up to the players, but it's also going to be up to the coaching staff to get it, you know, the ship righted. Wisconsin's not going to be easy, Doc, as you know. It's uh, senior day in in, uh, in Madison. Hap says goodbye. They say goodbye to him. Right now they're on the uh, double by line. They're the four seed right now, so they don't have to play until Friday if they can remain in that spot. Um, not going to be easy to try and get back to the winning ways as they hit the floor again on Thursday night in Madison. It's not, no doubt about it, and it's never easy to play in Madison. It's a rivalry game, and, and Wisconsin's got a good team. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, two years ago, they were able to get the win up there with a, a shot because they played good defense that day. You know, they won, what, 59-57? You know, those are some of those things on uh, – you know, that I think Iowa can, can take advantage of, but they're going to have to, you know, play better defense. And, you know, even the zone can work, and it has worked for them, but it also leaves you exposed a little bit from the perimeter. And if another team is shooting hot, you're going to have to struggle, and maybe you're going to have to go back to man at least to, to do that. But they're going to have to stop the ball a little bit better. There's just there's just a lot of leaking right now on, on Iowa on the, the defensive end, and then their offense isn't compensating for it, so... Um, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, no doubt about it, going up there. And uh, but I don't think that Wisconsin's unbeatable either. So um, Iowa has a chance to kind of re- you know return to to do what it needs to do. But it, it's going to take a tough. It's going to be take a good effort for them to do it. And uh, they'll be doing it again without Fran McCaffrey. That'll be game two of his suspension. You were delayed getting over to Indianapolis because of the press conferences on Wednesday. Doc, in your mind, how much did the suspension of Fran McCaffrey? just everything surrounding this program right now. How much did that play into what happened with Iowa? And boy, it feels like they're on their path again to another late season collapse. You know, I, I wasn't there Saturday, so I can't necessarily speak to all of the, uh, the issues, but what I can say is, you know, it, it's tough for a team to overcome this, you know, it's, it's a distraction. It's you know, something that prevents them from doing what they need to do on the court because, their coaches are there and, you know, and if he's the head coach, you know, you want him there 
to help you with adjustments and, and to change some things. And, uh, you know, so they weren't able to get that done. I, I think right now, uh, you know, the focus has to be on the floor, and it's not there. It's on everything but the floor, from what, you know, Gary Dolphin said to what Frank McCaffrey said and did to, you know, and it's spilling over. And they've got to get it corrected, and I think it starts with the head coach. But I just didn't see a lot of remorse from him on uh, Wednesday. Mm. I, I saw remorse for getting caught, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily, and, and for getting fined and getting suspended, but not remorse for, hey, I went up to this official and I said something, you know, not only completely inappropriate, but I did something completely inappropriate, you know, and then that needed to be addressed. And I, I just don't get the feel that, <laughs> you know, he, he was sorry he got caught. So I, I think. Everything has to be real with this team, and right now I don't think it is. Uh, Doc, one more on, the, on this, and then I want to get to the combine with you. Scott Darkerman from The Athletic did a great job, as always, if you're an athletic subscriber of covering this uh, last four days over in Indianapolis. Doc, it's my opinion that uh, that Iowa was kind of given an ultimatum by the conference. Look, do you want to suspend them? And if you don't, we're going to. Did, is, is that how do you think that this happened? I know that, well, he was suspended by Iowa. Iowa came out and got in front of it. Did they, or were they told, you know, if you don't do something, we're going to um, do it for you? You know, that nobody will admit that, and uh, I understand why. I and I know that Gary Barta was, was informed of what McCaffrey had done um, in advance. You know, I mean, I'm when he was actually in the press conference after he said what he did to Steve McJunkin. So, uh, you know, he had a lot of time to think about it and discuss it with Big Ten officials. And, uh, you know, there could have been some coercion or it could have been, you know what to do. (laughs) And, uh, but, but, but I tell you what, one thing that really disturbed me in the, in the press conference was, you know, you know, Mark Morehouse asked directly, how many times do you get this? And, um, and, Gary Barta mm-hmm. turned to him and said, well, this is only the first time I've suspended him. Well, you know, that that's kind of a, a mm-hmm. wimpy way out of things. I mean, you know, the Big Ten had to do it, you know, back in 2018 for his crazy episode at, at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you should own it. You should say, you know, this this, this is unacceptable behavior. And, you know, and, and be a you know, stand-up person. Instead, I, I just got the feel that he felt like he had to do it. So I don't, I'm not saying your theory is incorrect i'm just saying that we really don't know right and it did feel a little bit like the big 10 probably said uh you've got to do this or not or we will right so i took it uh, scott document for the athletic doc couple of things on uh on the, uh, the combine look we knew the tight ends were going to be you know be really popular there in in hawkinson and Fant and Fant, i guess just wowed them with what he can do athletically and putting up numbers is just crazy numbers for a tight end. Uh, so your thoughts on those two, and then Anthony Nelson, um, you know, he's he's going to play in the league a long time, in my opinion. I don't know when he's going to be drafted. I think he's going to be one of those hot guys that falls and is a steal, and people are going to be, wow, how did he get this far in the draft type of thing? I really like his game. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the Hawks that you saw down in Indianapolis? Yeah, with the Hawkeyes, it was, uh, you know, I mean, Noah Fant, we knew that he was going to crush it there, that his numbers were just going to be out of this world, and they were. I mean, I think he, was, he claimed five, you know, categories among the tight ends and was faster than all but eight running backs. And um, in the 40, you know, ran a 4.5, and, um, you know, he's, he's 10 pounds heavier than he was when he was listed at Iowa. It's just, um, you know, I, I think, if anything, he may have solidified himself more as, not only a first-round pick, but a you know top twenty pick, 
than anybody. And then, you know, by comparison, you look athletically, you think, well, D.J. Hawkinson didn't quite measure up. No, he actually did better than I thought he would. I mean, he had two, he, he was second in five different categories. I mean, just, they, they both outperformed what I even thought they would there. And then, of course, you know, on the field, what they've shown, they certainly deserve all the accolades they get. So they, they to me, are going to be first-round picks. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, uh, you know, they're somewhere in the top 15. Um, and I think they both answered questions honestly and openly. And there was no, you know, you kind of wonder with Noah Fant, you know, what he might say about his former program. Mm-hmm. He was nothing but, you know, praised the program. So I really was impressed. And then, you know, Anthony Nelson, um, you know, most of the people have told me he's going to be a second rounder. Okay. So I don't know that he's going to fall, you know. I mean, he's Six seven two seventies guy good mm-hmm. get off. He's good fast. He's you know what ran a four what four eight I want to say you know just really an impressive performance. You know maybe not quite as strong as you want him to be, but uh, you know I mean you can't teach that kind of length. You know so and then finally the guy that if there is a guy that falls and I think it's just positionally it's Amani Hooker, but I think he can have the same impact or similar impact I should say as Desmond King going forward. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic, read about the combine and the uh, week that uh, Doc spent there uh, at Athletic dot com. Great stuff. Thank you, Scott. We'll talk to you a week from today. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, guys. Yeah, you do the same. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic joins us here on Miller and Condon. We've got a Grinnell Mutual High School update. The boys are underway. Uh, Trent has that. We're going to come back. Rob Doster from NBCSports.com. Take it away, Trent. All right. We have game one in the books already. Class 1A quarterfinals here on the local view. Grandview Christian looking for their third straight title. They found themselves in a tussle with eight-seeded St. Albert of Council Bluffs, but the Thunder pull away and get the win. 58-51 Grandview into the semifinals with the victory. Bryce Crabb led the way with 17 points for Grandview Christian. Going on right now, first quarter, it's Montezuma. A 12-4 lead over Algona Garrigan. Updates all throughout the day and all week long. Our play-by-play coverage gets started here on 1460 KXNO Wednesday morning with Waukee and Dowling Catholic. As we get the timeout, our updates presented by Grinnell Mutual Insurance. Rob Doster joins us next. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Okay, welcome back. You liking this one? Never heard of this one. Oh, you should have. Have I? It's the best rapper, rapper ever. Notorious B.I.G. Instrumental only, though. Probably can't have the lyrics on radio. It's a good idea. We'll stop before we get to that point. Uh, let's get Rob Doster in here. He'll save us. Uh, CollegeBasketballTalk.com, part of NBC Sports. Rob, Trent, and Ken, how are you? I'm doing great. I guess you guys are going to have to call me the Notorious ROB now, huh? <laughs> the Notorious ROB. Uh, what is going on with uh, the Notorious Zion Williamson? Are they shutting him down? I don't think so. Um, I, I have a feeling that he's going to be back at some point this season. North Carolina maybe this weekend? Yeah. You know, my my guess is tomorrow it's not anything with any inside information, but I, I just get a feeling that they're going to try to get him a game before he has to go play North Carolina. I don't know if you want to just throw him out there and have his first game after a two-week playoff mm-hmm. be uh, playing in an environment like that um, against a team like that. But, uh, I mean, we'll see. 
Um, I just it does not feel like this is the kind of thing where they're shutting him down here. And and you know, when it comes down to it, like mild knee sprains, mild MCL sprains are normally like two week injuries, right? So it's not all okay. that surprising that it, it takes them. It's going to take him two weeks to get back on the floor. Uh, and you know, but he said that Zion's been practicing. He hasn't done any full contact stuff, but he's been practicing. He's moving well on the knee. And uh, I mean, to me, it just seems like this is a, a little bit precautionary, a little bit. Uh, maybe the family kind of saying, "Look, we uh, we don't want to rush this thing back." And Duke knowing that, like it doesn't. What is what's a loss to Virginia Tech going to do to that? Mm. Nothing. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. So, uh, the, the when it matters is the game at North Carolina, the ACC tournament, and the NCAA tournament, and that's when they want him back and healthy and ready to go. Well, because of the Zion injury, North Carolina when they throttled Duke without Zion, kind of got overshadowed there, and this Duke team overall. And we had the long conversation about Virginia as they bouncing back from last year and what happened in the NCAA tournament, if this team's going to be different. Of course, Duke all season long. This North Carolina team, good enough to win a national championship in your mind? Yeah, I think so. Um, I would not put them in the same conversation as a healthy Duke, as Gonzaga, and as Virginia, because I think that there is a little bit more of a floor with that with, with North Carolina. Uh, part of the reason is because their best player and most dangerous player is a guy that's just kind of like inherently streaky. You know, Kobe Kobe White is a guy that is a, a tough shot maker. Yep. Uh, you know, there's going to be nights where he goes for 30, and there's going to be nights where he goes for nine points and six turnovers. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of like what he is and the way that he plays. You know, he gets hot and he's going to make everything. When he's having a bad night, he's going to go three for 14. So. Uh, when you have when when you're relying on a guy like that to be your best player, it's a little bit of a situation where you know you just kind of have to accept the reality that you're going to be a little bit more up and down. The thing that's, that's promising to me is that not only has uh, Luke May stepped up of late um, and, and played some of his best basketball, but Nazir Little's done the same thing. His best game of the year was against Florida State in that 18 point win. Cam Johnson has just been as good Terrific. always. And, Yep. Yeah, when you have three guys that are as good as those three guys are, as kind of your secondary option, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at a team that has three guys that can get you 30 on any given night, plus Nazir Little, who can pop off 15 or 20. Two of which are seniors, too, Rob, which I think plays a big role. I really do. Yes, it really does. And uh, it's it's nice to see, you know, Cam Johnson kind of come into his own here because we, we hyped him up a lot last year. Uh, and that he, you know, he had a little bit of a knee injury, and he was not playing his best basketball, um, and, and not moving his best. So it's nice to see him kind of get it going. I think he's going to end up playing in the NBA. He just shoots so well, and you know, when you're six foot nine and shoot it like that, there's always a chance for you to make it. You know, I want to get to uh, Kentucky, Tennessee in just a second, but since you brought up Kobe White, is he a one and done? I, I, he probably is, but I hope he's not. Is he? Is he gone for sure? Do you think? Uh, I don't. I don't think he's going for sure, but I would probably, uh, if I were to wager on it, I would be wagering on him heading to the NBA. Yeah, me I think too. That he's probably a, a top twenty pick at this point. You know, when you're when you're a guy that has his size and his shot making ability, like I, you don't really realize it because you think so much of his height is part of his hair, but he's like six four, six five. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's a, he's a big dude and he's able to create space and he makes all the shots that need NBA guards to make and. Um, I, I think that he also, like, there's a pretty clearly defined role for what he's going to be at the next level, just kind of like a microwave score off the bench. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that, that is a starting point guard on the team, 
but I do think that there is a useful role for him uh, being a bench guy in the NBA moving forward. Uh, so uh, I am I'm I'm higher on him now than I was at the start of the season, and I I think that I would probably uh, let me put it like this: I think that if he got drafted in the early 20s by a playoff team, he's going to make that team better mm-hmm. by giving them a little bit of scoring pop uh, coming off their bench. Big 10 and Big 12 before we get out of here, but I want to go back to uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. Just a completely different game than we saw in Lexington. Reed Travis had a big role in that game in the win for Kentucky. Of course, he didn't play uh, in Knoxville. Uh, what, what happened in that game, Rob? It was just like a complete opposite of what we saw a couple of weeks ago. Well, Tyler Hero ran his mouth and, and pissed off Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, and, and Tennessee decided to show up and play. I don't know if you guys caught that uh, that whole thing, but Tyler Hero, not. after the win uh, at Kentucky, said to reporters that they were that speaking about Tennessee, he said, "quote They were scared of PJ Washington," mm. and Tennessee heard about that. Uh, there was a point at um, in the game at Ole Miss, Tennessee won before going to play Kentucky. Uh, you could hear Admiral Schofield in the background of an interview say, um, reference that he must, that, that Grant Williams was scared of PJ Washington. So that's something that Tennessee knew about. They were playing on the road. Jordan Ball showed up and played his best game of the year. And, you know, honestly, I just think that the skill set that Reed Travis has works really, really well to take Tennessee out of the things that they want to do. So much of what they do is involved around big men creating space and creating seals in the paint, whether it's to kind of wedge a shot blocker away from the rim when a guard drives, or just Grant Williams uh, getting position eight feet from the bucket and making a pass or making a move to score. And Reed Travis at like 6'8", 265 pounds, and um, probably headed for a long career as like an NFL tight end, is the kind of guy that can keep Grant Williams and those guys from gaining position. So I think that really matters as well. All right, Rob, uh, another big game from Tennessee, Kentucky on Saturday night. Was Utah State beating Nevada, putting them in really good position to be a tournament team, even without winning the Mountain West? Unfortunately, what happened after the game seemingly dominates the headlines. So, two part of your thoughts on Utah State, how good they looked in this Nevada team. You know, what kind of seed are we looking at here for a team that's been ranked in the top 10 all season long? And then, uh, well, another court storm and more problems that came out of it. Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't think that this was necessarily a result of the court storm. So the story that I've gotten, and, and this is kind of backed up, like I've I basically like looked through, like this is the Zapruder film, and uh, watched the uh, the handshake line from like 19 different angles on videos that people have posted to Twitter and, and YouTube and, uh, and everything else. And um, the story that I've gotten is that in the handshake line, Nevada assistant coach Rex Walters, uh, had his like had his handshake refused by a Utah State assistant, um, and that set him off. And he turned and tried to confront the assistant uh, in the handshake line. There's video evidence of all of this, and then um, they kind of got separated. But since there were fans on the floor, Nevada had to go out a different exit than they normally do from the court, which took them right past Utah State locker room. When they walked past that assistant coach, that refused to shake Rex Walters' hand had something smart to say to Rex. Uh, Rex reacted. Um, Jordan Caroline misunderstood something, and that kind of set that entire situation off. It wasn't something that was a result of what happened when the fans stormed the floor. I don't know why Nevada's coaching staff was saying that the fans were touching their players. The only thing that I saw watching that was one kid, uh, like one Utah State student, ran up to like where they had built up the rope. And like the, yeah, I think you got to give credit to Utah State security, I think they did a pretty good job of 
kind of separating the fans and the players. There was one kid that ran up and yelled something at Jordan Caroline, who turns around and looks at him, but it's not like an emotional reaction. And, and um, he did not look all that mad when he was walking off the floor in that situation. So um, that's the story I got. That's what I think happened. I don't think it was necessarily the court storm that did it as much as two assistant coaches uh, being idiots, more or less. And as one source put it to me, uh, the Nevada program just having a culture of not being able to handle losing at all. Mm. Rob Doster is our guest. Rob, big uh, Big 12-wise, a couple of big games tonight, both of them sadly for us at, at uh, 8 o'clock. Wish they could separate them, but we can't have any uh, everything. Texas Tech is going to be in Ames on Saturday, in all likelihood a chance at minimum uh, grab a share of this thing, but, but maybe not. They've got uh, Texas tonight, and well, K-State's got TCU. Um, Kansas I kind of thought, kind of got away with the stole one yeah. in Stillwater this past week. I ask you this every week: Are you ready to go there yet, Rob Doster? Is Kansas run over? Oh man, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I don't want to bet against it because every year we run into a situation like this where it's kind of, it just feels like it's dead, dead in the water. And every year Kansas seems to find a way to be able to wriggle out of it, and. You know, Kansas State, they're they're at Oklahoma tonight, right? Uh, no, Kansas State's at TCU. I want Kansas State's at TCU. That's mm-hmm. not uh, – TCU's picked some people off at home. Um, I, I don't know if they are uh, necessarily a great team, but they're good enough to, to kind of beat some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yep. Texas Tech playing at Iowa State, you know, there's a reason they call it Hilton Magic. Most it's, years, not this year. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this year Hilton Magic has been on the road, but – um, that place is probably going to be rocking on Saturday night, and and Texas Tech, uh, that's that's not they haven't been necessarily great on the road. So um, I, I can very much see a situation where both Kansas State and Texas Tech drop a game. But if one of those two wins out, then Kansas is not going to end up uh, winning the Big Twelve regular season title. And I, I think I think I'm ready to go there. Hmm. I think I am, but I'm not I'm not guaranteeing anything. The other part of it. I'm not convinced that Kansas goes into Oklahoma. It's Kansas that plays in Oklahoma. Yes. I'm not convinced that they go in there and they end up winning on, I think it's Tuesday that they play. So uh, we'll see what happens, man. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting very, very close to writing off the Jayhawks as the Big 12 champion. Getting close. We're in our final week. Uh, March 4th. Hey, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Rob Doster joining us at VCSports.com. Miller and Condon on KXNO. Rob, last thing for me, and it's on the local front, just your takeaway with the national perspective that you have, Iowa State, another loss for them at Texas this time. Team that just hasn't been able to gain traction here over the last couple of weeks. And Iowa, on the other hand, uh, another late-season fade it's looking. Fran McCaffrey will be sitting out Thursday for his second game of the suspension. Your thoughts on the Cyclones and Hawkeyes? Well, the Cyclones are just they're, they're too schizophrenic for me at this point. Like I love everything about the way that they're built. I love them in theory. But they just every time I, I finally buy into them, they just break my heart. So I'm, I, I've had to, I've had to divorce myself from my love of the Iowa State Cyclones and just accept the fact that they are a pretty average uh, basketball team uh, when it comes to the way that they actually play from a day in day out basis. As far as Iowa is concerned, like I, I just don't understand why they are so married to a guy that has won two NCAA tournament games in eight years. Like, how many times Mm -hmm. is he going to have to embarrass them with the way that he behaves? Like, and, and, like, I I don't mean to make light of it, but 
I mean, at, at some point, you kind of have to just say, like, look, you need to get your anger under control. You are costing us and you are costing this program. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Iowa lost at home without two Rutgers without their coach on the sideline. And how many seed lines is that going to cost? How, how many, you know, what is that going to cost them in the bracket with adding a Q3 loss? their resume because the NCAA selection committee is not going to factor in the fact that their coach got suspended. That's not going to be something that they kind of give Iowa a little bit of credit for with that loss. That loss is there. It's a 15-point home loss to a team that is a quadrant three opponent. And that's going to be there. It doesn't matter that he that McCaffrey wasn't coached. You can't give the team the benefit of the doubt because the coach got himself suspended because he can't control his anger and he can't control his temper. And I just don't understand why that program is going to consistently let him embarrass them the way that he does while winning two NCAA tournament games in eight years. It, just, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. And I, I just, um, I think at some point you have to make a decision of whether or not you want to be the program that is known for having a coach that goes bonkers mm. at, like, at least once a year. We're hearing more and more of that even locally, Rob Doster. Excellent points. Uh, appreciate your contribution. As we always do, we're lucky to have you. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you, Rob. Always a pleasure, guys. Good catching up. Yep, good to talk to you. Rob Doster, NBCSports.com. So a couple of things. Uh, Steve Prohm's press conference is underway. Mm-hmm. He has yet to talk to Cam Lard. What? That's what I thought. It's Monday. Game was Saturday. He has yet to speak to Cam Lard, apparently. Lots yet from Prohm. S- yet to speak with him. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to wrap your mind around, correct? That's what I thought, too. Weiler Babb is iffy on Wednesday, so that means Wigington would start, finally, and it mm-hmm. would start due to injury. Um, they play West Virginia, so we really won't know, I don't think, uh, whether that you know was, is a spark or not that the team needs. But the Cam Lard thing is a head-scratcher to me. Yes. I mean... What are you waiting for? Right. And who who is it up to, to reach out? Is he waiting for Lard to show up in his office? You wouldn't think so. He's I mean, suspended. They had, they had that conversation. There had to be some, we'll see on Wednesday. Let's talk on Sunday. Not Wednesday. We'll see on Sunday. We, mm-hmm. You know, we get back. I, I don't get it. That's that's a strange one to me. I wonder if there's more there. Um, Dylan Montz told us earlier that had something to do with conditioning after, the, after well, a practice. Appar- apparently he was late to practice. And he was told to run, and he refused. It's not how it works. No, if the coach tells you to run. If, you, if he's, yeah. if he's uh, you know, enacting a little discipline on you because something you did, you do it. Now that's second half. We don't know if that's for sure, but I've heard that twice now. Dylan was the last one to say. Uh, have you ever watched nine hundred two one zero? I never have in my life. Nine hundred two one zero, Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. Never yeah. saw. Never saw. Luke Perry died. What? Dead. What? Dead. Fifty two years old. He was the star of the show? Yes. One of the stars, yes. One of the stars. Uh, wow. 52 years old. Massive stroke, apparently. Huh. Uh, anyways, tonight. You I, threw me for a loop there. I did kind of catch you off Yes. Guard. Virginia, Syracuse, early. ESPN. Yeah, I like that one. There's nothing else early. I mean, nothing else. Well, we get the beginning of the Atlantic Sun Conference Tournament start tonight, Ken Miller. Okay, I'll take your word for it. You're, you're <laughs> not, not moving my needle. The New Jersey Institute mm. of Technology against Florida Gulf Coast? Uh, pass. Oh, okay. Have you got a number on it? Is, have you got a play, an opinion? Oh, I have an opinion. Do you like NJIT? I do. NJIT. On the road down in Fort Myers? Is that where Florida I Gulf Coast no was? I have no idea. Oh, idea. that run was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Beating Georgetown, yes, 314 absolutely. game. Uh, and parlayed that into a big, big job. Yes. Um, a, couple of t- a couple of big 12 games later on. 
Of the two, which one's... Ah, uh, Texas, Texas Tech for me. The number is bigger in that one. Guess what that number is. Do you have any idea? Well, it's at Texas Tech, and it's mm-hmm. senior night there. It's eight. Eight and a half. Okay. Felt um, a little hefty. I'm looking deeper at that one. Okay. And then uh, K-State on the road, TCU. Give K-State. me TCU. K-State stinks. Do they get beat? Well, do, Dean Wade was terrific. He was. I mean, that Brown dunk was, that he had. Oh, my. Brown was the, really the only one of the starters. Boy, they're not, mm-hmm. they have no depth at all. No, they don't. If they get in foul trouble, they're in deep water. Mm-hmm. But Brown had an off night, but Sneed was fantastic. He was. That's a good team, Trent, I'm telling you. So will they both get to the weekend tied for first place, a game ahead of Kansas? No, somebody's taking a loss. So K-State loses tonight. Texas Tech will come to Ames with a chance to outright win. End the streak. And do so at Hilton Coliseum, celebrate, oh, that's insult to injury. Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4, the Rush will start it all tomorrow at 6. Miller and Condon back tomorrow at 10. Thanks for being here, 1460 KXNO.